Hey everyone, welcome to episode 40 versus Media Live. I'm Stephen L. Miller. This is uh, B for Vendetta. <laughs> That's a fun one. Uh, you can kind of guess where we're going today with this one. Um, gosh, where do you even begin? Uh, I'm going to just kind of recap quickly uh, my pod- some things I thought about in my podcast, but just obviously uh, recap some stuff about... Uh, Biden's whatever that was last night. And uh, hopefully uh, anyone who wants to come up and add your own reaction, I'm sure you have them. Don't be shy. Um, A few things. I think I have a couple of takes on this that I haven't really seen. One is I think the optics last night were 100% intentional. And what I mean by that is the lighting, uh, obviously the Marines being flanked by Marines, uh, silhouette in the background and everything. I don't think any of that was m- not meant to happen. And the reason I think that yeah, is because, uh, turn that off. That's great. Um, make sure my Spotify's off. Jeez. Professional around here. Um, <laughs> is uh, a couple of reasons I think what happened last night was intentional. One, I believe what last night was, was a show of force. Um, This was Biden's way of, I don't know, letting Trump and his voting base know that I'm the president and I have the military and I will use it. And I don't think that that's along the lines of, say, what he talked about with the F-15, but I think that last night's speech was a legal warning. I think that... Uh, makes what's going on with his Justice Department a little perilous. And as I said, even to some of the most like warmed out skeptics, uh, it's hard It's hard to not see these actions over the last two months as purely political heading into an election. And those of you who know me know that I'm no President Boomer Dad fan. Um, it certainly looks to me with this with this speech, with the actions of the DOJ, with the FBI raid, with the leaks coming out, um, that there is a purposeful strategy here going into the elections. And for anyone who says, well, no, Biden's DOJ is separate to that. Well, he's still the head of the DOJ. He's the, the DOJ is, a, is part of the executive branch. And as I said, if you think that Biden and the administration didn't have a heads up to that FBI search and raid, then uh, I got a bridge to sell you. So I do think the optics last night were 100% intentional. The second part of it is why I think it was intentional is is because if you understand that this is an administration run by Twitter and whose communications team is run by Twitter, the face of it is run by what's happening on Twitter. We see that the chief of staff is is, uh, basically an ad-riddled Twitter addict. Um, We see that they base questions and policy off of what they're seeing on Twitter. Um. And once you realize that, and where, once you realize where the progressive left and the political left is, has been doing lately on Twitter with the dark Brandon memes, you know, I kind of joked last night that said, no, n- no, sir, it's a thing called dark Brandon. Don't worry. Everyone will love it. And that's a paraphrase, but I, I don't think that that's too far off what this actually was about. I noted that within a couple of hours of that speech being over, they, you would have memes all over Twitter of him with you know, with that backdrop, with the soldiers behind him and the red light and the shadows and everything. And then somewhere either in the comm shop would retweet or, you know, someone someone prominently on the left would show him with glowing eyes and shooting lasers or whatever. And that's exactly 
what Brian Butler from Pod Save America and the Pod Rose and Crooked Media did. That's exactly what they did. And so I think that they are telling Biden to lean into, you know, these more aggressive attitudes and this, and this aggressive rhetoric um, all under the guise of saving democracy. And I have a couple of problems with that one as well. Um, the problem for Biden with this new, this newfound kind of attitude and this kind of aggressive behavior is this is not what he was elected to be. And uh, shortly before coming on here, as I was kind of like pulling some tabs and just looking at some things, the Washington Post editorial board has come out and essentially panned Biden's speech. He said, you can't convince people, you know, with this kind of cynicism and this kind of anger. Um, and I would argue that's not what he's trying to do. I would argue he's trying to rile his base up heading into midterms in an election where the base never really turns out for the party in charge. Um, but so far, the Washington Post has come out against this. Obviously, we saw Brianna Keelar and Jeff Zelaney from CNN take some uh, take some shots over uh, their objections to using the uh, the military behind Biden. And uh, lastly, and then I know I know you guys probably have a lot to say. And so, lastly, um, this idea that the Democratic Party is trying to co op democracy, almost like they would do climate change. You can see them really forcing this or really trying to make this a thing uh, by co-opting democracy and saying, we're, we're the party that cares about democracy. Well, buying specific criteria for what makes someone a MAGA extremist or what have you um, is, you know, political violence. Well, we see that that happens on the left. Biden would refuse to even acknowledge Antifa exists. Um, intimidation and threats and things of that nature. We saw this with the Supreme Court justice that Biden has yet himself to condemn. They've released statements and Karine Jean-Pierre said the president strongly condemns, blah, blah, blah. But Biden himself still has not spoken about it. Um, and then, of course, he said election denial. And as I've noted, and I'm pretty, I'm pretty high on this hobby horse, the current White House press secretary has denied the results of both the 2018 Georgia gubernatorial election and the 2016 presidential election. She's not faced a single question from anyone in our media who's putting up this facade of caring about democracy. Uh, no one in the White House press briefing room, no one on CNN, not Jake Tapper, not Jonathan Carl, uh, not Chuck Todd, no one, not George Stephanopoulos, not Marge Brennan. None of these prominent uh, Sunday show morning hosts have once questioned her, put her tweets up on the screen. So is Joe Biden therefore calling his own press secretary a, uh, an extremist? This is a legitimate question. The other thing that Karine Jean-Pierre said today, and I led this off with my podcast, was uh, if you are not where the majority of Americans are, then you're, you, you are in the minority and, you're, and you hold an extremist point of view. And as I noted, Joe Biden currently sits at 38 percent approval. I think he's going to go down after this. And therefore... Uh, he has a minority of approval in this country. So therefore, is Joe Biden an extremist? That would be the natural follow-up question from anyone sitting in the White House press briefing. But of course, we know they didn't do that. Uh, 80% of this country uh, is in favor of voter ID. Does that mean anyone against voter ID is an extremist? Um, about 2% of the population hold the view that uh, we should have abortion up to nine months or up to birth. And pop. And if you, if you really push them, there's some that believe post-birth. And therefore, are those people extremists? I would call them Planned Parenthood executives, but to each his own. And so, 
again, if you had a competent media that would take him to task on these specific issues, the Washington Post editorial board did a little bit, uh, but we also saw what happens when this administration faces even the least bit amount of criticism. They just kind of go apoplectic. And the last thing I'm going to comment on is this, again, this idea of we own, we own the term democracy. We believe in democracy and the other side does not. The, the, the ironic thing about that is if you're, you just, you and your party claiming the mantle of democracy is in and, in and of itself anti-democratic. It's saying, you know, 50 other million, half of this country or how many other voters, 74 million voters, which is roughly the amount of voter for Donald Trump, uh, don't care about democracy, even though they participated in the democracy. And so, again, if Biden were to ever sit down with someone other than Jimmy Kimmel or Jay Leno, uh, someone with a brain between their ears would ask him these questions. And of course, we know if that happens, his eyeball would fall out of his head. So just some opening thoughts um, on this topic. And like I said, I haven't seen a lot of people with this point of view that one, I think, I think the optics of what was going on last night was a hundred percent intentional. And I don't think enough people are talking about that. Um, I don't know how you can say you, you care more about democracy while you're flanked by uh, the U S military and rattling on about your past and possible future political opponent while your own department of justice is investigating this person uh, all Biden did, in my opinion, is politicize more that process, um, which some people think, Andy McCarthy from National Review thinks an indictment is coming. I'm still not so sure. Um, but all Biden did is politicize that process more for Trump and his allies. He can simply use this and say, see, they're, they're targeting me because they don't agree with my politics or, or what have you. And none of that is an excuse for Trump's behavior. Um, but currently, uh, Donald Trump was not the person standing up at that podium last night. So just some opening thoughts. Uh, I, I want to hear what you guys see, hear what you guys thought. Um, I would say I already have, what, 10 people in the queue. Um, I probably only want to go for about an hour tonight because it's a holiday weekend and we all want to get out of here and uh, enjoy the weekend. I, I will be back on Versus Media tomorrow for a makeup podcast. Speaking of eyeballs falling out of the head. Um, but uh, I want to kind of keep this a little bit short. I'm going to try to maybe do an hour, hour and a half. I will try to get through everyone that I can. That's why I'm keeping this intro short. Um, but again, give me your thoughts on what you saw. Um, another possible topic, if you're not interested, is uh, the media coming to the rescue of Shotgun Frankenstein, who is John Fetterman, um, which is what I wanted to do this one on. And of course, Joe Biden's wonderful optics have prevented me once again from doing so. So once again, just a couple of the ground rules. Um, just be mindful that there are people behind you. Uh, try to make your point kind of quick or whatever. And uh, I, I, I kind of believe in the free flow of conversation. So if it goes on, we go on. But just be mindful of people behind you. And if you could also please mute your microphone when you're not talking, just so uh, it's easier for people listening. And also myself, that's one of the things I just get completely distracted if there's like a, a car alarm going off in the background. But it also just makes it so much more enjoyable for the listener. Um, so once again, this is episode 40B for Mendetta. Brad's going to lead us off. We'll go D, Donna, Stephen, and I see some usuals back there, Joseph and Andrew and Sheila. Sheila's back. Welcome back, Sheila. And then Zach is back there as well. Brad, fire away. What did you think about um, Biden's uh, spectacle last night? Um, my, my reaction's probably not very unique, but I, I kind of went through. First of all, I didn't watch it, you know, purely just 
you know, pulled up my Twitter feed and, and saw stuff coming through. And of course, my first reaction is you see the picture, the picture. And my first initial reaction is to laugh because I'm like, ah, Midnight Mitch, you rapscallion, you've you've made it look like Biden went full Norse fire. And, uh, you know, you've colorized this me- this uh, picture and turned it into a dark Brandon meme. Oh, my gosh, that's hilarious. And then I slowly figure out that it's real. And I'm like, what the hell is someone thinking? Like, my, the, my, my joke rationale was, if you're Ron Klain and you're like, I want everyone to stop talking about Joe Biden's dementia, but you're holding a monkey's paw and like, one of the fingers goes, and so now they're talking that he's pedo Hitler was the trend, which I, I think is funny. But I, I do think you're, on a serious note, I think you're on the right track as far as uh, what we're not talking about. We're not talking about uh, the Inflation Reduction Act. I'm sorry, the most important climate legislation we've ever done, whichever it is. Yes, thank uh, you. Thank you for the clarification. We're not talking about student loan forgiveness, which will somehow also reduce inflation by giving uh, college-educated white women more money to buy pumpkin spice lattes or something. Um, and that, the, my only other take on it was, you know, it probably was, I mean, there's, there's a lot of anti-Trump voter rhetoric, which I've never been a fan of. I guess there's always been kind of round, but it seems like the most directed from the you know, with, behind the office of the presidency, you know, with Marines in the picture, with White House um, account dunking on people. And I'm just, if I try to place myself in the the feet, the shoes of, you know, an independent voter in Pennsylvania or like Arizona, Arizona is a very independent, it's got its own vibe. And I just can't imagine, I don't know if, you know, how that has a bearing on, like Masters or Mark Kelly, but it's like, hey, I don't like Trump, but uh, man, my mom voted for him. You think my mom's a bad person? Like, I don't know. That just it doesn't seem like it's going to fly. Uh, I would I would take it a step further and say, and, and I kind of insinuated this in my podcast, which is what Biden did last night is in some of these tight races in Georgia now, where uh, Herschel Walker is closing in on Warnock um, as well. And you're right, Masters and Kelly is a tight one. And, of course, Tim Ryan and J.D. Vance in Ohio is another one. And possibly um, Fetterman and Shotgun Frankenstein is another one. And all Biden did now was make these people answer the question similar to what you just said, which is, if I don't vote for you, is the president going to get up and basically call me an enemy of the republic, which is what he did now? They're out here saying, well, no, he wasn't talking about all Republicans. Okay, give me a list of the ones that are acceptable to you, okay? Like, from Marjorie Marjorie Taylor Greene on down to the most acceptable one, right? And I'm kind of like, Biden didn't just fall out of the sky two weeks ago with this, you know, or two years ago with this Democracy Act. He has a history. This is a guy who said Mitt Romney would put black people back in chains. Is Mitt Romney an acceptable Republican to Joe Biden? Because that's what he that's what he told the country. That's what Mitt Romney would do was re-enslave black people if he was elected. Um, is Liz Cheney an acceptable Republican? Well, Liz, 
in Biden's speech, he said, dark MAGA forces are going to be taking this country backward by taking away a woman's right to choose and taking away contraception. And dude, that's another one he accused Romney of. And all of this stuff. Well, Liz Cheney came out and praised the overturning of Roe v. Wade. Is she an acceptable Republican? And this is the point. This is why no one, this is why he can throw this shit out and no one in the press will actually press him on what this means. He'll have people go out and say, and the funny thing is his allies are already hedging this and saying, well, no, he wasn't talking about conservatives. He wasn't talking about, and it's like, motherfucker, Joe Biden's been in Washington for 40 years. We know he's talking about us, okay? <laughs> it's like, this, this is, you know, this is a guy whose best friends were Ted Kennedy and Chris Dodd and, and the waitress sandwich. We know what he's saying. We know what he thinks. And so they're trying to kind of, they're trying, I think their messaging is really confusing because they don't really know how to play this. Joe Biden is at 38% playing the gee whiz malarkey guy. So they're like, get out there, get a little bit more mean. And as I said, we got rid of the mean guy for you. So for you to go out there and now act like the mean guy, um, that's not going to work. And it's like you said, I think you bring up a really good point, which is some of these voters and some of these kind of swinger states, like, you know, Arizona's purplish and Pennsylvania's purplish and Ohio, I would argue, is more red. But exactly that. It's like, did you just fucking call my mom a traitor to, like, America? <laughs> like, um, I, mean, I mean, for instance, my dad was a Trump voter. He doesn't want to vote for him again, but he was. And it's, that's kind of how I looked at him. Like, he's not talking about just Donald Trump and Marjorie Taylor Greene and Lauren Babert and those people. He's he's. It, you're right that it's the first time I've actually seen like a sitting president attack an entire electorate. And one of the points that some people in media are bringing up is for those of you criticizing the use of uh, Marines behind him, they, th they throw up George W. Bush on the aircraft carrier. That was the first one. And they throw one up of Trump uh, at some event where he brought up the national anthem and Colin Kaepernick. And, Every time you see a journalist do that, the question you should tweet at them is, did in any of these events where the military was present, did any of these presidents say that their political opponent is a threat to the very founding of democracy to this country? No, I don't think Trump even did that. And that would shock me. And so they love to throw that gotcha out. And that's the problem. It's not that he had he was sitting there flanked by Marines and I noted, like, the one with the glow, like, the one silhouette with the white glove was just so Sin City. Like, it's, there's so many things about this photograph that are going to be studied. It's like I said, you know when you see something, you know that it's going to stick with you a while. And you know it's going to be out there a while. And that's one of them. The other one kind of being Trump with the fast food spread in the dining room. And, again... They know when they have to backtrack the next day and try to hedge and say, well, he, was, he wasn't using the Marines for that or anything like that. You know that this thing has fallen completely on its face when they're sitting here trying to justify. No, we were only talking about some Republicans. Oh, no, we were only using you know, one thing about uh, the military. And besides, Trump has done that before and, and, and on and on. So I don't think this is going to play well, and I think it's not going to play well for the very reason that you said it, which is he's not he's not attacking. If he if he goes down, he just talks about Donald Trump with the military behind him. I still think that's pretty bad, considering his Justice Department is weighing an indictment of him. Um, but when you go out and you say MAGA forces and MAGA Republicans and things like that, you're right. The normal voter is going to hear he's talking about me or he's talking about someone that I know. You're absolutely right. And when two days ago you talked about 
hey, if I if I like my rifle too much, you'll call the F-15 guy. And you're the same people who we know in 18 months, you're going to say, well, actually, if you really think about it, Ron DeSantis is a MAGA Republican and Tim Scott would have you guys back in chains if he, if he could. Right. And, and you also bring up an interesting point that this wasn't just the speech. He's been doing this now for a few days. And in, in that speech in Pennsylvania he gave two days ago at the, at the booster for uh, Shotgun Frankenstein, he basically said to all, you pe- to all you gun nuts, all you gun people loving the Second Amendment, you can't overtake us. I have F-15s. <laughs> and then he comes out and does this flanked by the U.S. military and is basically calling the opposing political party fascists. And you just you have to wonder, again, how this was so tone deaf. And the reason I think it's one tone deaf is I think they did it on purpose. I think, that again, and I, and I saw a couple people echo this, but I think for the most part that was done on purpose as a show of force to say, I'm the president. I, I have the governing legal authority and, oh, by the way, uh, I also am in charge of the guy who might prosecute you. D, you're up. Give me your thoughts on what you thought about that last night and uh, anything else. Hey, can you hear me? Hello? Yeah, you're up. Go ahead. Hello? Yeah, you're up. Go ahead. You're live. I can hear you. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I just want to say, first of all, I just a couple of thoughts on Fetterman and on the speech. With regards to the Fetterman-Oz race... Um, no one, uh, no one who doesn't live in PA will tell you that, uh, or no one outside of PA will tell you that Fetterman basically has way more of a ground game. So I think the Fetterman Oz race, I think Fetterman's pretty gonna win. Um, the Mastriano Shapiro race is the much closer race because when I go to rural PA, I don't even see Oz signs. Um, and with that race, I, I do think it is ironic that, um, if Dr. Oz were running as a Democrat, and Fetterman were running as a Republican. Republicans would be going after the fact that, you know, Democrats ran a celebrity and um, they ran kind of a working class guy. So I, I think the attacks on both sides are kind of interesting and kind of flipped. Um, with regards to the Biden speech, I think the thing that the speech to me proved, Steve, is that so much of our politics is identity politics in the sense that if the, if the criticism is that Biden should not have attacked everyday Americans who, you know, work hard in the middle of the country, why is that not, why is that a standard that only Democrats have to live up to? Because like Ted Cruz just mocked a baristas who were like 30K in debt and no one had any issues with that. And then Republicans rhetorically, they don't exactly talk about people who live in cities, whether it's the inner city or like sort of yuppie cities like Portland in positive light. So I actually thought, as a Democrat, I thought it was a stupid move because we actually have to win downscale white conservative voters in places like Wisconsin, and we need to moderate our messages, versus Republicans don't ever have to really think about winning sort of like yuppie voters in L.A. and in San Francisco. So I, I was not a fan of it from a political move, but morally, I, I kind of just think it reflects how politics are today. Would you – so would you, would you argue, I mean – as far as like, so you're, you're making argument that Joe Biden got swept up in kind of this culture identity politics of, you know, trying, trying to, you know, make a statement. So would you argue that, um, that that's not who Joe Biden is? Is that kind of what you're saying? Like when he goes out and he does that speech last night and you're saying he, he was coming off more like somebody like Trump. Is that, 
basically what you're trying to get yeah, across. Yeah, and, and, and my point is the backlash he's getting is because of who he's directing. Like, if Trump gives the same speeches and is like, people in the inner cities are a problem, people wouldn't have a problem with it because people don't identify with those people in the same ways that people identify with, like, their white aunt that's a farmer in, in Nebraska or whatever. So I think the identity of the people he hit is more so the issue than the device than than him attacking Americans. Yeah, I mean, I think I think you I think you raise a point about and people have talked about this about had Trump in like let's say Trump is the guy who gives that speech or or with that setting or you know the glowing red against Independence Hall in the military behind him. And this is what I found so interesting about, you know, when people were bringing up the fact that he's flanked there by Marines, the people were throwing out Trump and saying, here's Trump doing it. And here's it. And I'm kind of like, you're kind of owning yourself here because Biden was elected to not be this. Biden was elected to be somebody else, to be something else. And so when he comes out and you get that setting and you get the all the photos of him throwing his fists in the air and whatever, and the military behind him you do see someone who looks like he's trying to engage that kind of attitude. And that's why I just, I don't see it working because that's not who he was elected to be. And again, this is who Twitter is telling him to be. This is who his comms team is telling him to be go out there and do that. So we can, so we can put gold glowing eyes on you for the election, sir. And that to me is also what's so funny about the dark Brandon meme is they're going out there and kind of, co-opting Trump's whole gig, which is, you know, his, his shitposting bases, putting him in Warhammer costumes and, you know, glowing halos and obnoxious things like that. And now you have his White House comms team leaning into all of that. And it really is fascinating. Um, and you bring up a good point about that. And it really is fascinating that they're leaning into this whole thing where it really, it really is. And I, and I think you're right. I think last night was kind of Trumpian in nature. But again, I, I've never – I know Trump goes off and, and he'll throw shit at you know, anybody. He'll throw shit at Jim Acosta over here, and that's a threat to the republic. And then he'll go and he'll throw shit at you know, someone else in the media, and that's a threat to the republic. But why is Joe Biden going out there flanked by the United States military and essentially condemning you know, 30 million, 40 million voters? Why is that not considered a threat to the, to the country? Yeah. I think it was. I don't think it's politically a smart move at all, because just because of that dynamic. And I think that um, I do think though that part. I mean, part of Biden's approval is rising a little bit. Like, I mean, it's still not good, but a lot of his disapproval is is inner base disapproval. And I do think there is concerns, genuine concerns about the fact that if Republicans do win some of these states, are they going to feel pressure from whomever to overturn? Um, to send their own electors. So I do think, I think this was basically like a base play and I think it was poorly executed. I thought the optics, I see Democrats defending the red thing. I thought the optics were really stupid and I thought it would have been best if he had deployed like one of his, um, like a, a, a surrogate, maybe someone in Congress to make this speech because it's just not, it's just not smart. It's just not smart. You, you know, Republicans have a suburban woman problem um, and Democrats have a rural America problem. You know, even if we don't necessarily agree with these people and everything, we still need to win them in places like Ohio, especially. So I just thought it was not a smart politically move, political move, but I didn't object to it morally in the same way that many people did. Huh. Um, I think you're, I think you're, I think you're right on a lot of that stuff. And as like you said, as someone coming from the left, so 
Um, I, I don't agree. I, I think it was politically stupid as well because of the timing. Uh, I know I agree with you that it, I think it was meant to fire up the base. But again, when your department, when your justice department is moving forward, possibly with an indictment of this guy and you're out there calling him a threat of, you know, a threat to democracy, it doesn't look good. And, you know, if I'm Biden, I, I let the, I let this investigation speak for itself, but I think he's pretty much tainted it even more. And I, and I get that there's people out there who are going to say that, you know, it's a, it's a witch hunt and it's a fraud and stuff like that. And, you know, and I've made the case that I don't think that you can charge Trump based on the fact that Hillary was investigated under the same statute and was not charged. I understand that that's a standard not everyone's going to think or follow. Um but to me, Biden, really, that's all he did is he, he politicized that more. And to me, like I said, I, I, I'm skeptical of some things. And uh, to me, timing as far as August to where we are now to headed towards the general election, um, it, it starts to look fishy to me. It starts to look like there is a campaign strategy here to make Donald Trump the focus of the midterm elections. And I'm, and I think that a lot of Republicans are dumb enough to exactly make it that. And one last thing, I don't think one last thing, and I'm going to hang up. Uh, I don't think they're going to yeah. charge Donald Trump at all. Like I, I, I don't think, I know Republicans think like the FBI is full of like, uh, I, I, by me, I, by my nature as a Democrat, think Democrats are not like this strong, tough part. Like I think there's a lot of weakness in our party. So I, I would be shocked if they, if they, uh, if they charge Trump, I really would be. Do you think he should be? Oh, he left. Okay. Well, all right. That'll be a cliffhanger for next time. Uh, just moving right on for the nine callers. Donna, I'm sure you have some thoughts about what you saw last night. So l- let me hear them. <laughs> Hello, Stephen. Um, yeah. Wow. What the optics alone. Um, what I was thinking, and I'm sure, you know, you can twist on this, uh, I was thinking that Biden has an inferiority complex. You know, they're trying to come out with the dark Brandon memes. And um, I really think that he is jealous of Trump and and Republicans in general. He has nothing to toot a horn about. He is such a failure that he has to do something. So he wanted to come out looking tough and strong and powerful and um, and he, I think he fell on his face. He just looks like a, a lunatic, you know, with the, like you said, the hands raised and, uh, and then today I saw, um, I, and I'm, forgive me, I can't remember which reporter it was, which media it was tweeted out. Well, uh, the red, the red optics, uh, it was red, white, and blue up against the, uh, independence hall. Well, that's not true. If you look at it, it was red, blue, and white, or white, blue, and red. It, it was out of order. So they obviously went for that specific optic for a reason. And I think it's because he is such a failure. He has gas prices, inflation, the border. What does he have to offer anybody, including his party? So all he really could do is try to look like the tough guy. And, uh, you know, he's pulled this before, even before he was president. You know, what he'd say, uh, you're a lion dog face pony soldier. He's always trying to act tough. Where Trump, it just kind of rolls off his tongue, you know. He pops his collar and he, 
he shrugs his shoulders and he's you can say what you want about Trump, but he does have some uh choix de vivre, I guess was the word. And Biden doesn't have that at all. And he certainly his his uh administration has just been an utter failure. So I'm curious about what you think about my theory. And also I wanted to say I, I'm been praying for your cat. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, he's fine. He's he's acting normal. I just got to figure out what the hell is going on with his eye. He's just he's being his old dickhead self. Um, I, I don't know if it's so much about trying to be like Trump or anything. And, and I've heard this now a couple of times, both here and then, as well as somewhere on the Twitter web. I, I simply think this is about firing up the base. And I also think that him and his people think that they found kind of their election issue, their thing that they can push back on inflation and masks and COVID's not gone away and uh, student loan moves seems to be hugely unpopular based on a week of polling. Um, as, as I noted, there was a 7%, there was a 7% swing in his, uh, his approval, disapproval in the last week and a half. And the only thing, the, the only, you know, thing that happened in that week and a half was when he announced he was waving away student loan debt um so the the the, the they're, it's being very purposeful to make the election a referendum on what they're calling democracy and trump and even peter baker from the new york times said this today they wrote it and they said you know what uh, we we have to get away from inflation and we have to get away from high gas prices i know they're bragging that prices are coming down but we're hit, we're hitting the winter and the prices are out, ready to hit right back up there and it is a way to change the conversation. Like I said, I think him and his people and his party with help from the media think that we can co-opt the word democracy like the Republicans co-opted the word patriotism. And you, I see a lot of like, they're, they're, that's all he's talking about, just democracy, this democracy. Demo- and as I said, the problem with claiming the mantle of democracy is it's fundamentally anti-democratic to even do that, to say that my party is... You know, and like you say, when you get up and you say, I'm not the fascist, you're the fascist. And when you're flanked by the United States military, it doesn't work. It's just like when he says, you know what, you don't what the fuck do you need a gun for? I have I have fighter jets, you know. And so they fundamentally, I don't think, understand the argument. They think it sounds good and they think that they found their argument heading into the midterms, which is we're the pro-democracy party in all of this. And again, that might work if, as I've stated, I have not seen a Democratic presidential election uh, walk off the stage gracefully and leave us alone in my adult lifetime. Uh, the closest was Kerry, and even then his party objected to certifying Ohio and other election results. And so we know this is just kind of a canard, and we know that the media is going to run with it. And like I said, I think that this is what happens when you know what Jen Rubin is your is your media whisperer and Twitter is the platform that you think drives the country and that's really what I think it is. I don't so much think it's about looking tough. Um, I do think they want him to go out there and say, just go who's so that's why again it was so just out of left field because remember we, we were supposed to head we were supposed to be heading back towards norms and normalcy. And someone on the podcast had a great question. It's like, doesn't it fucking feel like we, he's been campaigning for two years now? 
And yeah, it feels that way. It feels like there's just always one crisis into another, into another, into another. And all his team is doing is instead of solving it, trying to distract from it. And to me, that's all kind of last night was more so was just another distraction. It'd be kind of funny if Trump decides not to run and it's DeSantis when all this time he's been demonizing Trump Republicans. Yeah, that's you know, no, yeah, that's yeah, and, and DeSantis will be classified as a Trump Republican because Trump endorsed him. Um, we saw what happened today at the Bulwark, and this was really interesting to me. Um, Amanda Carpenter, uh, formerly Ted Cruz advisor, I think that's right, um, who's now you know cashed in her cred for a CNN paycheck, wrote that basically Brian Kemp, the governor of Georgia, is now he he he's now not one of the good ones because. Even though he certified the election and told Trump to get lost, he's now running with a lieutenant governor who wanted to replace electors. Well, first off, you don't choose a running mate in Georgia. It's a separate election. He has no control over who the lieutenant governor is going to be. Second, almost no Republican has taken more just like vitriol and personal abuse than Brian Kemp has in the last two years from Trump. And yet, Kemp is extremely popular. He's probably going to roll over Stacey Abrams worse than he did in 2018, and she probably still won't concede. Um, and so today you have them now saying, well, he, he's not good enough anymore because he didn't condemn this. He's running with uh, a Trump-happy elector, or, uh, elector for the governor, lieutenant governor. And you, you just – what reveals is a lot of these people, they're not just Trump critics. They're, they're, they're just Democrats now. And so that's what I mean. It's like, is Brian Kemp a MAGA, is a MAGA Republican? I think most people in this room would say, no, of course not. Um, he's also enormously popular in Georgia. Georgia's just kind of like Trump repellent. It's just like, that's that's cool, dude. We're just going to vote for him anyway. Keep hollering, you know? And again, you have these same people, or like I said, I want, I'd like them to name who they think are acceptable Republicans because we know it's not Mitt Romney. We know it's not Liz Cheney. And now we know it's not Brian Kemp. And so the motivations of these people and, and of the Bidens really come come off when you ask them for specifics. They can go out there and preach about democracy this, democracy that. Joe Biden has a history in Washington dating back to the 70s. So we know he's full of shit. He's not this, you know, uh, patriotic kind of I'm thumping the democracy thing because we've seen him. OK, and so, yeah, I, I, I don't know if this is going to work. And I, I just I think this was, again, a ploy to rev up the base, except you've heard from a couple people here like there are swing voters. There are voters who swung to Trump, swung back to Biden because they're just tired of the guy yelling on Twitter or what have you. And now you're looking at a guy who's acting. I think I think you are onto something in the sense of acting a little Trump like. And that's not what he was elected for. And I, and I don't think this is going to work. Like I said, I'm, I would not be surprised to watch his approvals go down over this. Right on. Well, thank you for taking my call. Have a wonderful Labor Day weekend. Yeah, you too, Donna. Thank you. Thanks. Steven, you're up. Go ahead. Hi, Steven. Thanks. Um, I wanted to bring up something. You've mentioned about Karine Jean-Pierre, um, how she's never been asked about her election denialism. Um, I wanted to point out, I tried to mention this on your podcast a few times. Um, she used to work for like a dark, like a, like a left wing dark money group called move on. She was like the, the Spock's person. And at the time when Trump won his election in 2016, they wrote a piece demanding that the elector, like the electors from the electoral college voted for Hillary and switched their vote from Trump. And no one's ever brought that up. 
Uh, yeah. I mean, more specifically, what's so funny is she has a home website. She has her own website. It's kind of hilarious. Uh, she hasn't updated it in a while. But here's her bio about Corrine. Corrine Jean-Pierre's professional experience has ranged widely from presidential campaigns to grassroots activism to local politics to working in the White House. Jean-Pierre is the chief public affairs officer for MoveOn.org and an NBC and MSNBC political analyst. That's uh, Steve Hayes' dispatch uh, as well network, by the way. Jean-Pierre previously served as the deputy campaign manager for Martin O'Malley for president. Uh, there's a the name. Holy shit. And so you're right. She she was one of the, she's on the uh, chief public affairs for Move On, and in 2016, Move On uh, fielded a petition. We know those don't do shit, but the left thinks they do uh, to uncertify to send new electors to D.C. and not elect Trump. We also saw this in a, uh, a hilarious celebrity video led by Martin Sheen. Um, let me see if I can pull this up and play it because it really is. Um, it really is something. So where celebrities all get together and the whole goal was to uh, sway the electoral college to not certify Donald Trump. So I guess I would ask, oh, video is not available. That's interesting. Um, so was that a threat to democracy? Joe Biden has also said that the 2022 midterms may not be legitimate if they don't pass their voting legislation. Is that a threat to democracy? So we can go down the list. And, and I argued on my podcast today that I, I argued that what, what Al Gore did was a bigger threat to democracy than what Donald Trump did. Here, let's see if this plays. Here is the uh, video from Martin Sheen and other celebrities begging the Electoral College not to certify Trump. Republican members of the Electoral College, this message is for you. As you know, our founding fathers built the Electoral College to safeguard the American people from the dangers of a demagogue and to ensure that the presidency only goes to someone who is, to an eminent degree, endowed with the requisite qualifications. An eminent degree. Someone who is highly qualified for the job. The Electoral College was created specifically to prevent an unfit candidate from becoming president. There are 538 members of the Electoral College. You and just 36 other conscientious Republican electors can make a difference. By voting your conscience on December 19th. And thereby shaping the future of our nation. Hey, it's Sal. I'm not asking you to vote for Hillary Clinton. They're not asking you to vote for Hillary Clinton. They are. I'm not asking you to vote for Hillary Clinton. That's what they're asking. You know the Constitution gives electors the right to vote for any eligible person. Any eligible person, no matter which party they belong to. But it should certainly be someone you consider especially competent. Especially competent to serve as President of the United States of America. By voting your conscience, you and other brave Republican electors can give the House of Representatives the option to select a qualified candidate for the presidency. I stand with you. I stand with you. I stand with you. I stand with you in support and solidarity with conservatives, independents, and liberals. And all citizens of the United States. The American people trust that your voice speaks for us all. And that you, you will make yourself heard through the constitutional responsibility granted to you by Alexander Hamilton himself. Ooh, what is evident is that Donald Trump lacks more than the qualifications to be president. He lacks the necessary stability. And clearly the respect for the constitution of our great nation. You have position the authority and the opportunity to go down in the books as an american hero who changed the course of history and you have my respect you have my respect you have my respect your patriotism <laughs> and service to the american people unite for america 
Yeah, so hopefully you guys heard that. I made it loud enough. Uh, that was uh, several cast members of the West Wing and a few others. And uh, my favorite part of that ad is how much they say they respect conservatives. Yeah. Um, but no, you're right. That And this is the whole point is, why isn't Joe Biden asked about his own press secretary? Why is media? I mean, she sits in front of the fucking media every single day. And like not even Ducey or Phil Wegman ask her, hey, you know, would you would you say people like Trump who don't accept election results, would you say that that's a threat to democracy? And she would look in her notebook and and then say yes. And then you say, oh, by the way, what, what would you say to this tweet of yours from 2018? And then this one from 2016 saying the election was stolen. And the only thing I can gather about why she herself is not pressed on this topic is one, she's an equity hire. We all know that. And two, um, the media agrees with her. People like John Carl agree with her. that They, they agree that Stacey Abrams had the election stolen because of uh, some shady vote, vote boxes or whatever that she accused Kemp of doing, which isn't true. Uh, Chuck Todd agrees with her. And so therefore, now you have the problem again with our media, that they are not a balanced media. They don't care about actual democracy. They care about it when it goes their way. And that's ultimately the problem here. Uh, Joe Biden's comments from January uh, should be coming back to haunt him. And there should be more conservative outlets bringing them up about him stating that the tw- there's a possibility that the 2022 midterms uh, will not be legitimate. I mean, that feels that feels like that's a threat to democracy. Democracy. So is it? So we, we know that this is an act. We know that they don't actually believe what they're saying. And we know that Joe Biden doesn't actually believe what he's saying. Go ahead, Stephen. I'll give you uh, I'll give you last word. Um, you know, they always talk how they're the party defending democracy, but they've tried to usurp the voters since 2000. Um, just two quick points. Uh, I think uh, Joe Biden's speech last night was uh, indicating a move toward indicting Trump um, and going through with that for the temperature of the country. I really hope that's not where they decide to go. Um, I hope the right rejects Trump and votes the Sanders in 24. And uh, there was one last thing. Oh, I live in PA. Dr. Oz, uh, he's been all of his ads, all of his tweets focusing on Fetterman and crime. If if Oz wanted to win this, uh, I think he should start hammering on education. We just saw that New York Times survey yesterday uh, about the massive losses. Oz needs to focus on education. Uh, I would agree with that. Um, I think that, you know, and, and granted, I'm not paying a ton of attention. People who are in places know this stuff better than I do. But it does it does feel like they are not hitting the right notes where they should be hitting. Uh, we saw Kevin McCarthy yesterday give a pre-speech to Biden's speech, and I, I was just – I watched it, and I just shook my head. I'm like, this guy has no fucking idea where his electorate is, and uh, I kind of agree with you. It's It should be – you should look at what Glenn Youngkin mo- ran on and what he's doing, and that's your blueprint because Virginia was a blue state, and it's – his popularity there is kind of through the roof, and he's kind of turning it into a red state strictly on these issues of education, um, like you said, and as well as, and I think crime is another one. And this, you know, these prosecutors who aren't prosecuting crimes at all. And so I do think that those are probably should be your two lead issues. And again, I'm not in Pennsylvania, um, so I wouldn't know that. But uh, I kind of agree. I think right now Republicans have lost the plot a little bit. But the good news is they have a president who handed them just a nice big billboard. So we'll see. Thanks, Stephen. Yep, thank you. 
Uh, Eric, you're up. Same thing. I'm trying to get through kind of as many people here as possible. So uh, as of now, I'm going to end at Daniel. Um, but uh, go ahead, Eric. Sure, yeah. Uh, just re- real quick. Uh, sort of like listening to the speech and watching the media reaction, I just find it interesting how sort of like logically, I'll only say uncommitted, the media is in regards to Biden's rhetoric because if, let's just say, 30, like, let's just say Trump's dedicated base is like, let's just say 25% of the electorate. Like, if if they really thought that those people were a threat to democracy, why wouldn't they be advocating putting them in, like, work camps and in front of firing squads? I know I'm being hyperbolic, but it's like, it's it's just weird to me how they have... Well, they did, they like, did no just hire 80,000 new IRS agents. <laughs> yeah. That, yeah, that are going to be trained with firearms. I guess they're going to be our new uh, gulag masters. I guess I, mean, I know I'm being silly there, but um, it, what do you, like what what are your thoughts on uh, why the media doesn't like flush out like their logic, like their their log, their rhetoric in a way to its fullest conclusion, and like how they don't really have any. Um, sorry, I'm searching for the word right here, but sort of like philosophical limitations on what they're willing to do in order to achieve their policy ends. And just uh, one more thing, like uh, as far as like the, you know, the party that's like um, claiming democracy, I think that's like also limited by honesty. Like I'm not saying the right is honest or right-wing politicians are honest like or, or more honest than left-wing politicians but it sort of seems that it's like if you're going to claim the mantle of democracy then like why are you telling people that it was the republicans who who uh kept your kids out of school and it was really the democrats that really wanted to get your kids back in school so it's like it's the claiming of democracy while also gaslighting us that really just like makes it makes that message i feel like really fall flat i just uh, in all uh that would be it for me so th- th- thanks for your podcast that always and uh hope the kitty cat uh recovers so cheers um yeah we saw that i mean that's another thing that i could have gone into this week and i didn't get a chance to was this Corrine Jean-Pierre just dropping a whopper about uh, it was actually, you know, it was actually Trump. And I, and I actually think she revealed something in that that she maybe didn't mean to, where uh, she said the only re- you know, schools didn't open during the pandemic because of mismanagement of the Trump administration. And they only opened six months after Joe Biden was president. And I thought, that's an interesting admission. So it sounds to me like you were trying to keep schools closed through the election. And then once you got a different president in there, oh, suddenly we can open them. And that seems like an uber cynical thing that she stumbled into. And again, no one in the press mentioned. Um, someone had a good analogy. And, and I, and just because I'm live, I, I, I kind of forgot where it was that um, I think it was Pierce Gardner, who I don't know if he's listening, but he, he had he had a comment on the podcast where it's um, – you know, we're we're the ones that had to reopen schools, even though we're the ones now that have to forgive student loan debt also because of the fact that you weren't in schools or whatever. And it's such an enormous lie 
and it's such an obvious lie uh, that I myself was able to fact check in 30 seconds flat that somehow escaped the attention once again of Daniel Dale at CNN and Glenn Kessler of the Washington Post. Um, I just went down every article. Democrats ran an attack ad on Trump wanting to open schools. Um, Politico, Crystal is at CNN, of course, Washington Post, New York, all of them basically said people remember we had protests of teachers laying in the street in body bags because people were going to die. And I guess that that strategy, they think that that strategy can work, except why was it only do- doing this in blue states? So I don't think that that's going to work. Um, you, you have a couple of governors who famously uh, opened up early, and one of them being Kemp in Georgia. And he doesn't get enough credit or enough attention, mainly because he doesn't do the kind of media that DeSantis does, and he doesn't he doesn't throw out the sound bites that DeSantis does. Um, so you really to, to be in a state like Georgia, voting coming into voting for governor. And like I said, the, the photo of Stacey Abrams with her Mike Tyson tooth grin while every kid is masked, I, I would be running that and I would be putting that in billboards in Ohio. I would be putting that on billboards in Pennsylvania, you know, um, and, and again, they've really gotten away from that. So, of course, these are lies Karine Jean-Pierre can talk about. Her other big one this week being people aren't actually walking across the border and either they are completely naive to what's happening or they know that they're not going to get hit by the media for saying these things. And I think it's the latter, um, which is what we saw last night. Brianna Keelar gave very light pushback about just having two Marines there and it doesn't look good. The military is apolitical and this was a political speech. And all of a sudden she had people from Jen Psaki to the Obama bros to this Brandon Friedman reject. Um, just coming out of the woodwork saying democracy is not part of this. It's a nonpartisan issue. So you see what they're doing. They're trying to co-opt the word and the co-opt this idea of democracy. And I mean, just to reiterate again, uh, the very idea of saying we are the party of democracy is undemocratic. So Ben, go ahead. I'll give Ben a minute there. Yeah. How are you, Ben? Can you hear you? Not too bad yourself. Um, look, so I've just got a quick point. My, my question about speech is... Sorry about that. I was trying to answer your question about how I am. I'm tired. I did four, I did four training workout sessions this week. And... Oh, yeah, go ahead. With... Sorry. Um, <laughs> yeah, my, my question is, why give the speech at all? You know, we had two weeks of yeah. Brandon's Black Baby speeches or articles based on a slight uptick in the polls, which coincided with him being away on holiday. And we saw it almost immediately when he comes back. He announces a student loan debt relief. Yeah, you're right. Start to drop. Yeah, you're right. So, and, and I think that's why we see something like the Washington Post, because they're going, ah, oh, fuck. <laughs> he's he's going to start dropping again. He's going to fucking, he's talking again. They rolled him out there. Yeah. Um, yeah, you bring up an interesting point that is kind of forgotten. He, he experienced his best month of his presidency while he was away on vacation for three weeks. And the other interesting thing about that is you had some outlets like crediting him with this big win while simultaneously saying uh, he stayed mostly out of it. He stayed mostly out of the negotiations between Manchin and Schumer and um, cinema naughty and Pelosi and all of this stuff. Like Biden just was like, you know what? They just shoved him in a closet and they said, don't go fucking this up. You're going to get a win here. And so you both had kind of the New York Times going, Aviator Joe is back and all of the stuff. 
and then while simultaneously, you know, crediting the fact that this got done was because Biden stepped out of the picture. And yeah, you're right. He 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 leaves. He goes away for three weeks on vacation. I think we only see him once when he's like trying to hand a pen to who he thinks might not be Joe Manchin. And you're, you're right in the sense of like, why would why even do this to begin with? And I've been scratching my head over that one um, because I think you're right. And Biden in this way to kind of Donna's point is is much like Trump, where if you just shut the fuck up, you're probably going to win here. OK, and Trump couldn't do that. And yeah, to, to roll him out to give this speech. I think, again, is interesting, given the fact that his DOJ is moving on Trump. And so, as I said, I think he's completely tainted whatever whatever integrity you might think that process had with Merrick Garland saying we're not going to comment on stuff and we're not going to leak, although they are leaking things. And then Biden just comes out and he's like, basically, lock him up. He's a threat to democracy. And now you've completely, completely just thrown a smear over that whole investigation. And so, yeah, I completely agree with you. I don't know why they did it. I don't, I don't know why they think this speech had to be given right now, other than the fact that pretty much in an election year from September 1st to November 3rd and November 8th is go time for all elections. It's the general election. It's just you versus the opponent and debates, unless you're Fetterman. Um, and Katie Hobbs now in Arizona, although I don't know if she needs to. Um, and so I think that this was Biden's rally the troops speech under the guise of I'm the president and this is for democracy. And I said on my podcast, I thought he was just going to kind of go out and Independence Hall would be, you know, lit up like the, the a fantastic fucking building that it is. Like I said, I call it the first punk rock club in the United States history. And he'd just be on his podium and there might be a crowd around him and he'll have his sleeves rolled up and he'll be doing the, you know, Amtrak Joe act. And I was just astounded at what I saw. Like, I didn't watch the speech. I was at dinner and I, I, I assume there are a lot of people like me who just they didn't watch it. All you got was the optics from Twitter or, you know, if you saw it online or somebody texted it to you or whatever. And that's going to hit a lot of people like they don't even they didn't even see his speech. It wasn't even on the main networks. Uh, none of the main networks carried it. And so it was on CNN, MSNBC. I don't know if Fox cared. I assume they did. Um, but a lot of people, all they got from that speech was that photograph. And that kind of photograph leaves an impression in someone. And it's like, well, I don't even want to fucking know what he's talking about with that kind of shit behind him, you know, looking like the, the fucking villain from the, you know, the force awakens or whatever in that throne room. And so, yeah, I, I'm, I'm a hundred percent with you. I'm bewildered at why you even do it when all he pretty much had to do was get out of the way. Um, like Fetterman wouldn't even be seen with him two you know, two days ago out on the trail. And so, um, I don't know. I think I think he's an old school politician who thinks that he has to fire up the base. And they went out there and they said, you need to go out there and just attack Trumpism, make sure Trump is front and center. And, you know, go out and call, you know, Blake Masters and Herschel Walker and some of these candidates, you know, dark MAGA. And if you notice, they've like really workshopped that. At first it was ultra MAGA. Then it was like super ultra MAGA. And, and now it's like ultra dark. MAGA forces or, or something and almost everything that they use people are just going to turn around and use it back on them yeah I agree I, I find it funny that we went from dark MAGA to dark brand and I think I concur with your opinion on the, the optics um, so I just find it funny that even now Trump is 
shaping uh, democratic Twitter, which then shaped a democratic administration. Um, but yeah, that's all I got. Thanks, Ben. Um, yeah, I, I, I think it's a purposeful. Uh, I think it's a purposeful election strategy. The problem is that this isn't a normal thing. It's not in a normal election. He's he's trying to go out and call someone a threat to democracy, whom he is also trying to prosecute. And that's, to me, the big hang-up with this whole act that he's doing. Uh, we'll go Andrew, Sheila, Zach, Opie, and end with Daniel. Go ahead, Andrew. Sorry, go ahead, Andrew. Hey, uh, um, Stephen, so I, like you, did not see it because I was watching American football. Even if you just think it's the preseason or the um, unofficial, it is actually much more entertaining than listening to an old man yell at the cloud. So I only really got an exposure because of the stupid memes. And it's like, it's like, what the heck were they thinking? And it's like, I get it. It's Twitterati bullshit, but it's, it's just like, I mean, like you said, of the, um, it lost out to young Sheldon, according to CBS. And that's just insane that CBS was not willing to put that up there. Um, but for, against a rerun of a crappy comedy. It's like, what? They had to... How was it that so many of these companies suddenly realized this was bad in comparison to so many other things he's done? I personally think most most of the country or the voting or the people that lose pay attention tuned him out over Afghanistan. Um, when it, he, his approvers were holding pretty steady, he was somewhere like around 53, 54, you know, wherever presidents generally hang in their first year or so. And as I said, and this is the problem with this new, you know, dark Brandon shit that they're trying to meme into existence with him is Biden was elected on two things that contrasted with Trump, which was empathy and competence. Um, that was basically his message is I care about you. This guy doesn't give a shit about you. He's up at night screaming on Twitter about, you know, Colin Kaepernick or whatever. And he's like, I care about you. I'm going to get you out of the pandemic. I, I understand what our families are going through, et cetera, et cetera, because I lost my son to war to or something. He, so and then he was elected on competence. I've, I've been in Washington for 40 years and I, and I know the ropes and I know how to get us back on track and, and whatever. And that all went out the window with Afghanistan. Both of those things went out the window. Competence went out the window because he lost the country in 11 days. And we didn't hear from him. He just would, like, walk out, give a statement, and then turn his back and leave the room. And he would do that long walk. Like, his advance, his, his aides didn't figure out, don't put him 20 feet from a door. If, he's, if you're going to have him turn around and leave, you need to have him, like, the door right behind him. So it's just like he's gone. And so he, you lose the competence argument when you lose Afghanistan with no F-15s, I'll, uh, I might add, in 11 days. And also 13 service members died. The first casualties in something like two to three years in Afghanistan happened at that airport. 13 service members die, and then you're caught checking your watch at the airport. Um, he then, that was the empathy argument. You, you, he lost the empathy argument because of that, because he turned his back. And every time someone had questions, it's like, dude, you, you're acting like you don't even give a shit about this. Um, Afghanistan was also a huge unforced error while we're talking about unforced errors. I mean, nobody was talking about leaving Afghanistan and it's almost like Joe's like, I got a great idea. And they were like, let's hear it. Afghanistan. And they just like, Oh shit. And, um, and again, if you remember, uh, 
sorry to cut in, but you remember, he, it's not just they leave Afghanistan, but leave before sep- the 20th anniversary of September 11th. Right. When right. it was st- still fighting season. Yeah. And so my point to this is not, not you know, to make it long and winded, but my point is, is that since Afghanistan, he hasn't recovered. He's, his polls just went down and down. And, so, and when, when that happens, people start to put a microscope on everything else that is not going right. And people pointed out like PPE uh, ran out. So there was a delay on COVID testes getting out. And there was a, you know, obviously we had the supply chain then issues happen. And it just was one thing compounded on top of another pretty much up until, you know, a couple months ago. And so I think also part of this is this is the Afghan, it's the Afghanistan thing coming up. You have 9-11 coming up. Um, I can't wait to hear his speech for 9-11 based on this whole democracy shit. Let's see how he uses that. Um, and so I think for the most part, people didn't, they don't really like Joe Biden because we have a history of Joe Biden, but they said, you know, He's the wise old statesman. Let's give him a chance. I just, I just want to get some fucking sleep. I'm tired of this guy. Um, I'm tired of just Trump 24-7 all the time, tuned, tuned, you know, uh, to, you know, volume up all the time. And so they gave Biden a chance and then he blew it in his first two years. And I think people just went, all right, well, 2024, bring us on. We, we want something else now. And that's, of course, predicated on what was happening with his approvals. And then, like you said, I didn't see what the ratings were for his speech. Uh, because I no longer fo- follow Brian Seltzer. Um, I don't see a reason to. Um, but I guess you said like he lost to repeats of like Young Sheldon on CBS and people just weren't watching it. And I think a lot of that is also just like they see clips of him or they see the setting and they see that he's angry and he's yelling about Trump and democracy. And I think, I think even anti-Trump people, I think they're tired of hearing about him. And if the Democrats are keeping Trump at the forefront, which they are, and that's all Maggie Haberman, that's all the New York Times talk about, it's all the Washington Post talks about, it's all CNN talks about, it's all MSNBC talks about, people tune it out. And that's why, I mean, 2024, we could have a repeat of Biden and Trump, and I think it could be one of the lowest turnout elections we've ever seen. And so I think that that has a lot to do with it. And like I said, I think that this was just an old school campaign speech to fire up the base, except... He could have pulled that off with just if he would have just done his normal shtick where he rolls the sleeves up and does Amtrak Joe. But clear, very clearly, his advisors or someone said, no, you're going to go out. We're going to bathe the Independence Hall in this light and you're going to have the Marines marching band. We're going to make you look like the president. And that's why he said to me, this was a show of authority and a show of force. And in a way, it was a threat um, to basically say I'm here with the military and I'm preaching about democracy that – Right now, you have these forces coalescing that are going to try and take us down. And we've seen this shit in the Atlantic. And like I said, this the Biden we saw last night is very much the one that, you know, Jennifer Rubin is telling him to be. Except the problem is nobody fucking likes her either. I don't think anybody liked her when she claimed to be a Republican. Okay, well, have a good night, Stephen. And uh, thanks for taking my call. Well, I'll let you get to everybody else. Take care, Andrew. Uh, Sheila changed her photo halfway through. Uh, she was in the queue, <laughs> so this this will be fun. How how is how are you, my crazy libertarian? I am fine. Um, well, actually, I'm I'm recovering from a little bit of a head cold. I stayed too long in the air conditioning in a wet bathing suit. Eh. You know, it it hasn't happened since I was twelve, but I also haven't been in really hot Texas for a long time. 
Let, so, let um, it rip. I, I saw you change your photo halfway through, so you must have oh, thoughts oh, here. Okay. So I'm just going to let you go. So um, I have the idea of here's what we're not talking about. So I have about six or seven items. I'll just rattle them off quickly. And and, and obviously it was not a trustworthy moment. Um, so we're not talking about omitting diplomacy uh, as a huge oversight in April. And now that we're staring it down the barrel of a budding World War Three, possibly alliance with Iran, China, and Russia. Doing war exercises, so comfortable. So we're also not talking about a tax strike for failure to represent the general interests of America. If Biden decides that he's going to go against, say, anyone who doesn't vote for him, I think it's time to really support democracy and, and maybe talk about it just at least circulate the idea of a generalized tax strike. Um, that way it would at least qualify the armed guards uh, in use of force. You know, at, at least it would, you know, give him something to enforce there, you know, cause the excessive force there is just too, too conspicuous. Um, no one is talking about an ethics commission inquiry into ZTE or Burisma for the Biden's uh, existing business deals. If he had been Trump, you know, the, the, the emoluments uh, club would be out there going emoluments and, and yelling at him. And there is an ethics commission that, that he could answer to if somebody would try. I don't think anyone's trying. Um, and, and no one's talking about maybe possibly killing the narco cartels as justice for all the fentanyl death that is concurrent. Now, I, I appreciate that John Pierre is, is trotting out a, a list of narratives that, you know, oh, here's what our, our DEA has done. And that's really good. Um, you know, it's good that they're doing their job. But what is happening is that it has not stopped the narco cartels and they will not stop unless someone stops them. And I think that the only way that anyone is going to stop them is if you cut off their money, which will actually make them really angry, but then you'll have to kill them. Um, so, and no one is talking about PRISM and Facebook's long history of being a government service contractor um, on, you know, I, I'd like somebody to talk about that. You know, it doesn't have to be me. Uh, we're not talking about commercial surveillance as a, as a price fixing issue. That's, that's a long termer with me. Um, and then that's, that's about it. Uh, anybody else want to add to that? <laughs> um. Well, Barisma will probably be looked into when GOP gets House Committee, so you'll have that to look forward to. The problem is it's Republicans, which you also probably hate. Um, you well, can't I don't fight, hate you, anyone. You I mean, I, you I don't can't, hate anyone. You can't, you can't fight the fentanyl thing if you refuse to admit there's a problem, like the uh, press secretary saying nobody's coming, nobody's actually walking across the border with, you know, 300 pounds of fentanyl in, in their stomach. So you're not going to fix that problem there. Uh, the thing with PRISM and what we saw with uh, the kind of piggyback off of that and something I'm watching, I'm not really ready to weigh in on it yet, is the the email release that show a possible collusion between Meta, Facebook, Twitter, and, and uh, the CDC when it come, came to censoring people mm -hmm. off of uh, social media. We saw a, reportedly like a Fauci parody account was kicked off of uh, Facebook because it was ordered to by the CDC. And so if you have Facebook, Twitter, 
Instagram, these companies working with the government to censor people. Well, that is a that is a First Amendment issue right there. Um, so I'm trying I'm trying to rattle off as many of the ones that y- you mentioned about why those problems aren't going to be solved in our current state of affairs. Um, much less, like I said, the idea that uh, the governing executive, flanked by the United States military, you know, saying he's the party of democracy, is also hugely problematic. What did you think about that one, Sheila? I I think that that's not the natural Biden. I think that that's that's an architecture that's being you know of a bunch of spooks trying to make a, a veiled threat to the American people. Do what we want, or we're coming after you with force, and that's unacceptable. They work for us, and you know what? If I have a command to tell them, and I'll just pop right back. Go back to doing your jobs. If you're a foreign directed agency, go do some foreign directed shit, but get off my doorstep. If you want to go do foreign directed shit, go kill some Mexican cartels. I think that that's, I mean, you, you stumble into an interesting issue, which is again, um, Biden works for us. So this idea that he's going to go out and co-op the idea of democracy and basically say that. 30 million voters are a threat to the Republic. And like, I've never, I've never seen, I've never seen an argument framed this way by a president. And I said today on my podcast, it felt like he was trying to be Obama um, last night because Obama these are the, was wrong. These are, did it too. These, these were the optics that I'm talking more about like the attitude and the optics and how it looked and the presentation, because pretty much Biden's entire administration are third rate Obama backbenchers who have been promoted and that's what it felt like. Like when I watched parts of it, the way he was, you know, channeling some of the, you know, some of these sayings and the way he was enunciating and things like that. And then, of course, the the layout of it all, that's something Obama could get away with. And I just even pictured Obama watching that and just breaking out laughing. Like, what are you doing, man? Like, I could get away with this shit. You, you know, a, a, an 80-year-old man, a septuagenarian politician can't get away with that because – you know, there's no way if it, Obama had walked out and given that speech, which he's given some close to that, um, the Washington Post would be sitting here today saying that was a bad move. They would be sitting there finding a way to defend it, as would people on CNN. And so I also think that that's a message. Charles Cook had a great thing from National Review, which is the reason he's so unpopular and the reason why these things fall flat is because the, the political left can't blame the policy. They have to blame the man. And so, the, you know, the policy can't be wrong. It's that Biden is just fucking it up and implementing it wrong. Yeah, I've heard and that. So, I've heard that reasoning. The policy still sucks. Yeah, of course it does. But that's they don't think it sucks. So so they have to find I, I think it for why it's unpopular. I'll just say I think it sucks. I know. It, I, I'm not saying that it doesn't suck. I'm saying that they <laughs> think that it doesn't suck. So instead of blaming the policy, they have to blame Biden. And so to me, that speech last night was more of a it was a way to reshape him heading into the electorate. And he's going to hit the road for his candidates that he can. And I think we're going to see kind of more of this until they get internal polling. And then he'll, he'll revert back to the confused, lost old man. So Sheila, I'll give you the last word. Go ahead. Fire away. Um, I'm so glad that you're going to get your cat healed. So, so I'm, I'm really happy you took my call. <laughs> yeah, I think he's going to be fine. And I'm not, I mean, if he has to get his eye removed, he has to get his eye removed, like whatever. The funny, the funniest thing, he's a Persian cat. And so I'm just sitting here 
uh, over the last year or so as he's developed. And, and he came from a breeder. He, he was not cheap. Um, he's my second Persian cat. And uh, yeah. I was just, I was thinking, you know, as he developed seizures and now he has this thing on his, on his retina or his cornea and he might have to get his eye plucked out and all these things. I'm like, man, I could have gotten a shelter cat. So he's, well, I he's, mean, you he's, would he's, have he's, an interesting cat with a pirate eye. I mean, you know. yeah, I, I have started looking up pirate patches for cats. So we'll see. And he has a flat face, so it should be able to fit. So wasn't there a journalist, like a famous war journalist that had a patch? I don't know. It wasn't Hemingway. So now yeah, I have to was, look it up. It was Mary, somebody else. I can't remember right now, but, um, very famous war journalist who died in Syria. Oh, I know who you're, I know who you're talking about. I, for, yeah. I forget her name, but I know, uh, what's her name played her in a film. What's the gone girl actress. Piper. Played her. Um, something, I don't know, but, um, okay. yeah. So, I mean, it, he'll be able to wear a patch cause he has such a flat face if he needs it. So I'm not, I'm not like freaking out over he's going to die or anything like that. Cause his blood work came back fine. Um, it's just that, you know, everything that, Everything that was easy that it could have been, it's not, which means you start looking at the more serious things and uh, the more serious thing being that it's a melanoma, in which case they can't, they can't just like scrape it off the eyeball. They got to just pluck it out. So right. I think he'll be fine. Yeah, I think he'll be fine. He's being his, he's sitting right here staring at me, you know, just in, com- in complete contempt. Um, <laughs> so, but yeah, he's going to be good. Um, it was just kind of unexpected. So, but I appreciate it. All right. Th- thanks, Stephen. You'll be in my prayers. Yeah. Take care, Sheila. Thanks. Zach, fire away. I know you have something to say about all of this. I mean, I, I thought the speech was, was just absolutely hilarious. So, I, I mean, I enjoyed it. Oh, no, it, it was funny. Kind of, uh, Don't get me wrong. It, there was... One yeah. of the funny, I mean, the thing that everyone was comparing it to was Dwight Schrute at the press conference. So, you know, this is this is why I was kind of like, like everyone's doing the Hitler comparisons, things like that. I'm like, no, I mean, let's not compare Joe Biden to Hitler. OK, Hitler was younger. OK, he was and, 200 years old. But, yeah, that's there. There certainly is an element to like trying to make grandpa do different things this late in his, you know, his stubbornness life and term. Yeah, this is this is the uh, the the old guy that you you run into at the grocery store that that tries to fight everybody that walks by, you know, for no reason. <laughs> uh, you looked at me wrong. You want to take this you, you cross in, you cross in front of him to, to like grab something. He screams at you or die or or yeah, walk in yeah. front of his car in the crosswalk. Yeah. But that, and that's, yeah. the, I mean, that's sort of who Biden has been. He's always been kind of where he, you know, he yells at random times. Like, I remember him yelling about people trying to get a box of food. And I just remember thinking about how fucking funny that was. I'm like, what is he talking about? Like, he's getting, he's yelling and getting angry at something that no one even knows what he's even saying. It's so, it's like they just said, Do you, you need to go out there and just be revved up and mean. And so it's like, all right, I can go out there and be mean. And it's one where everyone else just kind of goes, dude, why are you yelling at us? Yeah. yeah um, like, what did we do? Like, know. sorry, <laughs> sorry. We won't fucking sit in your favorite chair next time. So, you know, sorry, sorry. You know, I agree. The, those whippersnappers need to quit skateboarding on the sidewalks. Like, I get it. Just calm down, Grandpa. Yeah, it's like, yeah, it's like the old guy coming out, you know, 
and yeah, like yelling at the skateboarder, stop skateboarding, you're a threat to democracy. And uh, yeah, there was there was certainly an element of that to it. Uh, like the clips I saw, I'm just kind of like, like, wow, okay, I guess this is what they think is going to work. And it, it's kind of, you know, it kind of strikes me as, as a bit um, ironic that they keep talking about, you know, we're the party of democracy when they went around trying to sue to get people removed from the ballot uh, because they didn't uh, agree with them. And yeah, January 6th, it was a, you know, it was bad, but it wasn't some planned insurrection. Like, if you think that, I can't help you. Put on the helmet and we'll feed you your applesauce. Yeah, that's where I'm at. And I mean, and, and I don't know, more, more could come out about that, but that's kind of where I'm at. So they're trying to focus on, and I, and I talked about this a little sloppily just on the podcast today about, you know, everything, everything Trump's people did was laughable, but they still try to do it through courts, you know, so like Rudy Giuliani would walk in and, and claim that the voting machine was possessed or Mike Lindell would go in there and make these wild, like, whatever, but they still went through the court system and then they just got laughed out of every single court in the country. It's just like, no, this, none of this is going to stick. None of this is going to stick. And then eventually Trump left. Um, and, and like I said, what I, I think what Al Gore was trying to do was infinitely more dangerous to our Republic than, you know, the, the stupid speech that Trump gave and, and roused up his, you know, his lunatic yokel base that, decided to go have some fun in the Capitol. And as I said, every single person who did that should be arrested. Somebody pointed out that the funniest thing about that is you have like these fucking QAnon people who believe that they're being tracked by the government, which is why they're not going to get their vaccine or whatever, or, you know, the conspiracy, which as I've always said is an elaborate troll, but um, they're, they're being tracked by the government, but every single one of them took their cell phone into the Capitol where they could be geolocated at the time. <laughs> I still kind of laugh about that. Like, hey, we're in, we're in the Capitol with their phone, which has a, you know, a geotag on it. It's like, you guys didn't think this one through. Um, but yeah, I, I talked about it on the podcast, the way Al Gore tried to rechallenge uh, Florida and other states to me was that was infinitely more uh, dangerous to, you know, the stability of our electoral democracy. The other thing about this whole democracy speak is this is also the party who won't shut up about eliminating the electoral college. Um, and so again, there's so many things you can point to about why this isn't the case. And a lot of them are obvious, but again, the most obvious one is if just by, just by claiming the mantle of democracy, it's fundamentally anti-democratic to do that. Yeah. Well, um, uh, post the election, you know, courts have been a little more willing to go back and to look at, at a lot of the guidance that was handed down by Secretary of States and whatnot. And in Michigan, they ruled that the Secretary of States, I'm watching my dog, he's about to set off my automatic vacuum and then freak out and run. Um, Secretary in Michigan, it was rolled. Yeah, that the you have to be careful because this is where Fetterman will go absolute apeshit if that if he does anything that suddenly sounds any auditorial chaos. So just be careful. I will. But um, in Michigan, uh, 
a federal court ruled that the Secretary of State had issued a guidance that was um, illegal, that she did not have the authority to do that. Um, and, you know, would that have changed Michigan? No. I mean, it was 120,000 votes different in Michigan, something like that. So even if you go through every vote that, you know, post-election was found to be cast or counted improperly, wouldn't change anything. But like Wisconsin, the Wisconsin Supreme Court recently ruled that the changes to the election there were improper. And, you know, they, they'll, they'll do this after the election, but during the election, um, you know, to make a ruling like that, they, it, it would cause such a, a blow up and such a headache. They, they typically just, they won't look at it. Um, I mean, there is the Arizona audit that, that came down and I tried to read it, but God, it put me to sleep. Yeah. No, I mean, again, and, and we'll see what happens coming into the midterm and they're trying and, you know, they're making the arguments to keep in some COVID restrictions, which is another thing I'm willing to bet he's going to try and do using the HEROES Act. Um, and so, again, I mean, it's it's obvious what it is. It's, you know, democracy is what my party says it is and my actions. And, of course, my whole bag is this is where you should have an honest media to say, well, no, hold on. That's not right there. That's not right either. That's not good there. That's not. And, and they don't do that, obviously. So um, right. that, um, go ahead. I'll give you the last word. Yeah. Yeah. I'll leave you with this. But um, I have been following the the obviously the raid and then the court filings and more and more as the government's been arguing this basically comes down to it looks like the national archives uh said that they didn't get everything that they thought they should have back back and so the fbi went after trump and if that's the case that is going to be a major problem because Previously, uh, courts had ruled that um, presidents get kind of the final say, and that comes down to Bill Clinton hiding things in his sock drawer. Yeah, Sandy Berger, um, which is always hilarious whenever Hillary, op- you know, unhinges her jaw and opens up about these things as, you know, classify in my office, and you can just go, oh, fine, we can go this route. Here's a photo of you palling around with Sandy Berger who like, like literally removed documents in his fucking pants and yeah, (laughs) out of the archives. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's, that's the thing is Trump. I mean, I've said it like, you should have charged Hillary and that's, that's the Democrats problem running that candidate. And, you know, obviously that wasn't going to happen in the presidential election uh, because, you know, that's what, that's what's so funny to me about this whole talking point about, you know, what Lindsey Graham says, or, you know, one of them said, there's just going to be riots in the streets, whatever, which is kind of a, you know, a talk, it's a, it's a phrase. It's a, it's, it's not something where it's literal. And the whole press just went, oh, he's, they're threatening, they're threatening violence. There's going to be violence in the street. And it's like, motherfucker, you guys won't even admit Antifa exists. So the other funny thing about that is, what do you think the fucking political left would have done if James Comey in the DOJ, obviously Obama's DOJ, isn't going to charge Hillary Clinton? And that's the other factor of this that, you know what, like I said, that makes that speech from Biden so volatile is 
we know it's we know Obama's DOJ is not going to charge Hillary Clinton heading into an election. And so you have all of these factors that certainly can make it look like this is a political ploy to get, you know, to get rid of Donald Trump, which is we're going to use the Merrick Garland, who is the Supreme Court, you know, the Supreme Court nominee who was unseated. He, he wasn't able to sit on the Supreme Court because Trump essentially won that election, although I'd argue Hillary wouldn't have, have chosen Garland either. Um, and you now have a raid that happened in mid-August, which has dominated at least our media's attention, headed into an election, and now you have Joe Biden going out there and yelling about the fact that this guy is the end of democracy. So it's almost like a justification to charge him. And so all of these things are factoring into that. And on top of that, again, you've already set a precedent that most people aren't really charged with a crime here. And I know now they're looking at obstruction and things like that. And if, if they go ahead and do it, and as I've said, okay, do it, frog march him, prosecute him, charge him, get him off the stage. Just don't shriek at the consequences for when this happens to Joe and Hunter Biden in the year 2025. Yeah. I, I think they will, they will try. Um, but uh, I think the raid has already backfired. And I, I think that if they, if they try and push this much further, it's, it's gonna, it's gonna blow up in a big, big way. And um, I guess, democracy will be doomed because a majority of the country voted for somebody that wasn't um, a Democrat. But um, anyway, yeah, I will leave you with, um, I did read a lot of the emails that came through and it seemed that the administration was having regular meetings with social media companies on what they should censor and if that's the case, the argument, it's a private company, which was fucking stupid to begin with, is certainly not going to hold up. So I'm, I'm excited to see that because I really want to see Twitter and Facebook uh, squirm. Probably, they probably certainly would be squirming if uh, GOP takes House or Senate next year on this. Uh, I'm going to take Opie here and then Daniel, and then we can all get out of here and enjoy our holiday weekend. Opie, go ahead. Hey, sorry about that. Um, no worries. Go ahead. I wasn't, I wasn't watching this. I didn't even know this thing was happening because I was watching a pretty incredible night of college football, but the, the reaction I had was kind of similar to people. just kind of a, a paw and laughter at the same time, but I agree that this is kind of a thing they're setting up just in case they prosecute Trump. But the reaction I had was like, this seemed like, and we've seen this in politics a couple of times, a wild haymaker. Um, you're some there. It is a stunned by a man who is back into a corner, um, who is definitely feeling that his own party kind of hates him and the independents hate him. And the Republicans obviously hate him. And the, and when people in politics are back into a corner and they throw wild haymakers, it rarely works. And the, and the ridiculous photo kind of made me think of another photo recently in politics where someone kind of threw a haymaker out there. And before anyone calls me Tim Miller, I'm not comparing these two at all. But the photo that caused me to think of it was uh, 
trumpet in the Bible outside the church where you had all this rioting and Trump makes kind of a stand and Trump's out there at the church where it was definitely a show of power. Um, and I don't know if that was one of the reasons he lost. I think you're right that once he got COVID, it was kind of over. But I think that was a thing to really sure up his base um, to say, hey, I'm taking a stand against all these rioting. Um, and I think it also really pissed off the Democrats that, that they should really go out and vote. And I think it really just kind of soured independence. And I think what's happening here is just going to be the same thing, but even worse. Um, using the military in that way is just so unbelievably gross and actually genuinely dangerous that I've, I don't think I've ever seen anything like it. That's actual banana republic stuff. Yeah, it's, um, I mean, it's, and it's not the fact that he used them. It's he used them for that speech. It's all, yeah. in, it's all in the context of why they are standing behind him. And again, this is why it's, and I don't want to say bad faith because it's stupid, but this is why, you know, members of the media throwing out George W. Bush and Trump and Reagan, and one of them threw out George Bush uh, Sr. shaking hands with a cadet and saying, oh yeah, how can we politicize these things? And again, the simple answer to any journalist you see using that comparison is, uh, did they use this occasion to call his political opponent, his past political opponent, and maybe his future political opponent, a threat to the, to the foundation of our republic? And when you say that, Trump is a private citizen right now. He is no longer, um, I don't even know if he still has his, his, class, his classified ID, um, which I think is another thing that's going to happen. They're going to strip him of any classification privileges he has. Um, Trump did the same to Comey, so that'll be a, a, re, a revenge thing. But Donald Trump right now is a private citizen. And so when you have him up there, the president with just flanked by two Marines, and then you have the whole lighting and he's yelling and, and what have you, it's all in the context of what he's talking about. And if you're going to do that um, and you're going to make that speech, exactly, you're, you're, you're going to get people, you're going to get normies who see that and then they see the context or hear the context of the speech and go, why is the military behind him? Like, why, like, and so reportedly, I think it was Free Beacon that reported, like, the Marine Band was really startled by this. They were like, this is not what we are here for. This is not what we're used for. Um, I, I saw someone say today that a president should only be doing this shit with the military when he's thanking them, and that's it. Like, when he goes to bases, and I kind of agree with that assessment. Um, but anytime a journal says, you know, this is just like the aircraft carrier for Bush, you say, Bush didn't use that occasion he didn't stand there with a mission accomplished banner or whatever and then rail on about why Bill Clinton is a threat, a threat to democracy, which he is. Oh. Yeah, you're completely right. I just I think this is just going to backfire. It also just takes the air out of the room, for which was actually a pretty good month for Biden or just the Democrats as a whole. And it, it really just helped them not with independents or Republicans, but just sure up their base. But that just takes the wind out of the air. Um I just have one lasting thing. Uh, I credit partly the conservatarian days for uh, my taste in music. Do you have any albums to recommend that you've been new albums that uh, you recommend to the crowd here? Oh, geez. New albums coming out. I'm not, I'm listening to a lot of singles right now. Um, the national just released a track with Bon Iver that I am ashamed to say I really love. Um, and I, I think it's a single coming off an upcoming national album. 
Um, so I, I'm actually ashamed to say that I really, I'm really digging the hell out of that song. Uh, I'm excited to see what the Yaya Yaz are coming up with because I've liked uh, both singles coming off of their um, their upcoming album. But as far as like um, like whole, full albums right now, Panda Bear is one that I'm really into. Uh, Panda Bear was one of the members of Animal Collective. And it, it's one that I was hoping he, that he would do more stuff of. And there's not, there's not a ton of, uh, it's not a complicated album. It's, it's very much tracks are very similar to each other, but the sound is there. It's, it has that sound of, um, animal collective if you're into that. So yeah, I'm just, I'm kind of listening to a lot of singles at the moment, not a ton of, uh, full on, you know, albums. I still kind of, I'm still working on my best of the year here. I think I have right now about seven that are that I have in my list, and I'm going to have to start narrowing that down because uh, it is September, and I think I might even have uh, Gabriel on. Maybe we'll do a call in this year. We'll do a, we'll do a live uh, best of the year, which we've never done, which is always fun. So, Daniel, you're our last one. Take us home. Make this all worth our time. If 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 you suck, I'm going to blame the whole show on you. So, take it away. You got me, yeah, Steven? Go ahead. All right. Um, hi, my name's Daniel. I'm a 50-year-old white Scandinavian cis male. I'm, uh, let's see, moderately drunk and probably moderately high right now. That's great. Um, You're very welcome here. You're a great American. Oh, nice to talk to you, Stephen. Uh, quickly on the music topic, I could also say I'm more breeders than belly as we or you discussed about a month ago. Um, yeah. But your your uh, Tanya Donnelly story is pretty amazing, and I can't fault you for that at all. Although we'll never, I will never forget her over that. I would have to say, well, Tanya Donnelly technically was in The Breeders initially, the first album, so there is a little crossover there. Um, yeah, I just I'll just keep this short tonight. Um, I mean, everyone's covered everything pretty well. Um, the only thing I see with this this Biden speech, I mean, you say you don't see a reason for it. The only thing I see is is provocation, basically. I don't see any other, basically, what they've done the last month or two with their language and and everything they've done. I mean, this is, I don't know, it seems they're asking for things to happen so they have a reason Maybe I've got my conspiracy hat on. It's the the moderation I'm I'm experiencing tonight. So, what do uh, you think of that, Stephen? I think I think there is an element to that. I don't think that that's the strategy is to provocate you know the Proud Boys into kidnapping a governor or anything like that. I do think there is an element of that where if we can continue to rouse the rabble and if we can continue to divide, which remember Obama or uh, Biden was supposed to be a uniter. And that's, again, that to me is the biggest problem with what we saw last night, which is he wasn't elected to be this fucking raving lunatic, you know, acting like Palpatine uh, with, with the Royal guard behind him. That's not who he was elected to be. Um, so even if he goes out and he becomes that, I think that just turns off the majority of the country as far as your conspiracy theory, I don't think it's that far fetched. 
in the sense of if I can go out and I can rouse enough rabble and, you know, piss off enough MAGA people, I don't know, maybe one of them will will run over a black person with a truck now or something. Um, John Fetterman's running for Senate in Pennsylvania, by the way, folks. Um, and so I do think that there there is an element of that. Get people more pissed off. Obama was an expert at this. Trump was an ex was even bigger expert at this. Um, and if he can and if he can just raise the heat in the country, remember that was Biden's whole thing. I'm going to lower the temperature of this of what was happening with Trump. He hasn't lowered the temperature of the SCOTUS protests. Uh, he hasn't lowered the temperature on fire bombings of pregnancy clinics. Um, he hasn't lowered the temperature on some of this stuff. He's, he's leaned into it and really leaned into just not only demonizing Trump, which isn't that hard of a thing to do, um, but going after his electorate. I I think there's an element of that where if he, if he can, you know, piss off enough people that again, maybe he'll get his dream scenario and the political left and the media will certainly get their dream scenario of, you know, you know, a MAGA hat guy running through a crosswalk again or something. And then they can say, see, see what Trump is doing. See, this is he's doing this. And of course they would do that. And of course, Biden would then, you know, give us that solemn, dignified statesman act. So I don't think it's the strategy. I don't think it's the primary thing to do. But I certainly think that there is something there about trying to raise the temperature to where, you know, one of Trump's yokels tries to storm the Capitol again. And they can say, see, we got, we see, we can't do this. We got his, his base is crazy and they're lunatics and they're things like that. So, I mean, we see that just in how these stories are reported, you know, about how it, it's a man, it's a, it's a Trump voting man sitting outside in his truck uh, with with a possible explosive, but then it's an SUV that ran down a bunch of people in Waukesha. Yeah, I mean, yeah, just you saying that makes me think, I mean, it wouldn't even have to be something purposeful. They could just search and pull any accident out and frame it as a, as a hate, whatever, as they do frequently. Anyway, all right. Thank you, Stephen. I'll let you go. And, uh, I'll just leave you with a little go wings and yeah, screw the abs. Thanks. Bye. Uh, I know. I'm I'm sorry. You're in for a few more rough years, Daniel, and uh, my avalanche are not. So um, I, I, I pity you. Um, this has been <laughs> a lot of history there. This has been episode 40, uh, B for Vendetta. Uh, that was a fun name. I, I pretty much settled on that one r- right off the bat. Um, again, thanks to my callers. Uh, a lot of good, a lot of good, uh, different, unique opinions on things. Uh, as always, I, as again, I like hearing from uh, different people, different parts of the country. We had a few people from Pennsylvania um, with, uh, it seems to be their pulse on the ground there. So again, uh, thanks to uh, you callers. Thanks especially to your listeners. I think I was looking at the room count. I think we got up to about 160. So that makes me look good. As I noted, we are the uh, second highest rated show here now on Colin. And uh, sometimes um, that uh, that Laos, uh, Jesse Singal, laps us, he jumps over us. But we always kind of take it back. Um, and I don't think we'll ever get past Brianna uh, Joy Gray. But um, that that's okay. So just thank you for that. Um, this will probably be the last one until next week. Uh, I may try to be back here Monday or Tuesday. Don't hold me to that, uh, but I will certainly try to do that. And uh, hopefully a topic. I still I still want to talk more about the media coming to Shotgun Frankenstein's rescue. I think it's hilarious. Um, and so there's a whole 
episode there we can do as far as a couple other ones. So stay tuned for that. Stay tuned to the alert. You can always follow me uh, at Redsteez on Twitter. You can actually super follow me now. Um, I don't know how serious I'm taking that, but at the very least, what I will do if you super follow me on Twitter is I will follow you back and that'll give you access to my DM box. So you can send me messages, you can send me links, things like that. Um, I'll figure out some more perks down the road. I haven't really taken it as serious as that. So, um, but you can certainly do that. And as always, uh, I will be on versus media on Patreon tomorrow to make up for the podcast I missed yesterday. Once again, I apologize for that, but I, I had an emergency and I don't apologize for missing it or for the reason for missing it. Uh, go enjoy your Labor Day weekend, your holiday weekend. It's the last one this summer that we get. And uh, like I said, I'll be back at versus media tomorrow. And uh, until then, as always, don't ever, ever talk to journalists. See you guys tomorrow.